Okay, so you know how each kid has their own personality? Like, I was always the defiant one. My sister, she's adventurous. My brother was super smart. Well, imagine your parent and you're faced with a decision that might change the personality of your kids altogether. Our next story puts you in the middle of that decision. But it starts with a young man named Stu. Snap judgment. My name is Stuart Pickle. I'm a 26-year-old engineer living in Los Angeles, California. Spend mostly relaxed evenings cooking for myself. I have a dog, a puppy. Uh, She spends most of her time when I'm home tormenting me for play. Stuart works for NASA, which is kind of amazing because... I was a very sick baby for a while. Stuart's had... 24 surgical procedures, and that would be those requiring anesthesia. This is Stu's mom, Amy. One when he was 15 and one when he was 16. How would you describe your son, Stu? I'm just going to give you some words. He's brilliant. And I'm not just saying that because I'm his mother. I think you'd hear that from anybody who knows him. He's an introvert. He can be cantankerous. But I think the surgeries have at times exacerbated some of those negative traits that I mentioned, the cantankerous part. (laughs) The bone fusions they did to support me after the second operation have made me stiff, and I carry this stiffness in me. Um, And that stiffness manifests in my personality. Um, I always knew that he had medical issues, and then obviously his two brain surgeries, and that was really traumatic for me. I think I was 14 at the time, 15, something like that. This is Stu's brother, Spencer. And while Stuart is stiff or brittle, Spencer is known by everyone in his family to be all heart and free spirit. He loves being outdoors. Listen to the way he talks about mountain biking. I like that I can kind of just zone out and just focus on pedaling drop my head down don't really like look ahead cranks revolving just like one two one two something like that you kind of you know you had that sense of joy and you're just like flying down it and spencer was always happy and healthy until one day a few years ago when he was 19 years old spencer started getting headaches too very terrible headaches and he was diagnosed with a malformation in his brain I mean, you know, what are the chances that we'd have two children with brain malformations? Because here's what's crazy. Spencer and Stu's brain malformations had nothing to do with one another. But Spencer's brain situation didn't seem like it needed surgery. The doctors recommended a wait-and-see approach because they thought the surgery could cause more problems than it would resolve. And this was about the time when Spencer became very adamant with one request. I can remember driving home from one of the appointments and Spencer being insistent that we that he never have surgery, no matter what. I didn't even bother to push back. I figured we'd just cross the bridge together if the need arose. 
I never imagined that I'd have to face that decision alone or, you know, um, without his input. I felt very strongly about not wanting to get surgery. And on a scale of one to 10, how strongly did you feel this way? I would say it was about, I would say it was about eight. And do you remember what you might have been scared of? Uh, just not like coming out of the surgery as a totally different person, I think is what I was most scared of. A different person. Spencer was scared his personality would change, which is a phenomenon in brain surgery. Sometimes people experience lots of little changes, like different food preferences, liking new TV genres, stuff like that. And sometimes the change is enormous. Like there's a story of a Playboy model who became a shrinking wallflower and didn't even want anyone to take her picture. Or the case of an otherwise kind and gentle brain surgery patient who became abusive to his family. And Spencer was worried about whatever it was that made him Spencer. He was worried that if you changed his brain, you changed him. So I think for Spencer, seeing how I turned out and everything wasn't all better for me made him very hesitant. There should be some amount of skepticism in your approach to Risky surgeries that could change you, even if they help you. There was a conversation that I had with him at some point, expressing some of my regrets about my own surgeries, because I still have symptoms even after the second surgery almost every day. I made it clear to him that one of my biggest regrets with the surgeries is that my surgeries is that it's made me a somewhat bitter person at times. Um, so can I get a little philosophical with you for a second? You can try. Okay. Um, so in like doing this story with Amy, I've been forced to question who we are, so things like our nature, our character, or our soul. And I'm wondering if that's determined by our brain or something less physical. And I wonder what your thoughts are. My beliefs probably lie in the intersection of all of those things somewhere. That's fair. And then one day these questions move very suddenly from hypothetical to very real. Spencer was having severe headaches again, and he ended up in the ER. And from there, he was helicoptered to Harborview Medical Center in Seattle. When we first arrived at the hospital, my husband and I, Spencer was just talking utter gibberish. And shortly after we arrived, he began thrashing around. I was at the foot of his bed holding his feet down while the nurses tried to restart his IV. And there for a few minutes, as I watched him try to catch his breath, I, I I thought we would lose him. It was really hard when I first arrived from Los Angeles and got to Spencer's hospital room in the ICU <clears throat> to see him in a coma in a condition that I hoped only I would have to have dealt with. 
and I wished it could have been me again. We're going to take a short break, and when we return, we'll be with Spencer's family as they make the decision that no family should ever have to make. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Snap Judgment. When last we left, a young man was lying unconscious in a hospital because of a malformation in his brain. And all his family knew was that no matter what, he never, ever wanted brain surgery. Spencer had had a stroke, and while he lay in the hospital bed sedated, his family, his mom, his dad Steve, and his brother Stu, had to decide what to do. And specifically, they had to decide whether or not to operate. Their surgeon's name was Dr. Kim, and Dr. Kim told them that if they did not operate now, there was a 1-5% to chance that Spencer would have another stroke, and that chance would increase every year of his life. But the surgery he was proposing was very risky. When Dr. Kim was explaining these very daunting odds, Amy recorded him so she could go back and listen to what he said over and over. some risk associated with it. It's about a 5 to 10% chance of a major complication from the surgery or a minor one or anything in between. Um, and I know that while they didn't want surgery before this happened, I think that the, the situation has dramatically changed. And knowing what we know now with all that, you know, what would he want us to do? And I think that's the position I'm putting you guys in is to make that determination since nobody in the world knows him better than the three of you. Okay, so... Um, so it's not what you want or what I want or, or what mom or dad wants. It's what would he want, and that's where we're at. Have you ever performed another surgery with that difficulty, in that kind of area of the brain before? Naturally, yes, absolutely. Okay, in that deep cavernous spine, you know, that deep? Yes. Okay, yes. so you've done multiple. And so that's how I know okay. that there's risk. Right. It's not a theoretical risk. It's a real risk. If it happens of to Of those him, particular 100%. surgeries that you've done in that area, what was the outcome of the other patients? 10% of them, 5 to 10% of them will have a bad outcome. Mm -hmm. the one that they wish they hadn't done the operation. Mm. And you'll go crazy trying to convince yourself that you can figure out if he's going to have the complication or not, and you can't. You'll just keep going around in circles wondering, like, well, should we do it or not? You know, I think it's important that it's an intellectual decision, but it's also an intuitive one. I think the best decisions of life, you have to feel good about it, not just in your rationalizing and so forth, but also your, your gut. And listen to your gut instinct. When Dr. Kim left the room, Amy looked at Steve and Stu and said, I said, before we say anything, I'm just going to count to three and everybody say yes or no. One, two, three. Yes. yes. Stu didn't say anything. You're saying no? I don't know what I'm saying. Okay. okay that's yeah, that's why. I don't have to say right you now. You know, yeah. I just, before we just... You just said before we say anything. Before, no, I meant before we discuss it. I just want to, like, get, like, a straw for okay. I don't think we're going to discuss it right now. Yeah. Yeah, I want to, I want to, um... Yeah, I've had more time to observe. Yeah, I want to go so. walk and think and <laughs> process. Okay. And I have a very different perspective on this than you guys. I have a lot of 
a lot of regrets and I question my own surgeries all the time. So, I understand. You understand, sir. But I, I, don't, I don't think it, if we're asking like what you would say, I don't think you would say yes as quickly as either of you are. So I don't okay. Think you're not. You're answering for yourselves right now. You're answering for him. Because if you were answering for him, he wouldn't have the answer yet. I didn't. I didn't. Maybe I said the wrong thing. I was just trying to get a feel for what everybody's thinking. I'm not telling anybody what to do. And so I've had, 20, I've had more than 24 hours to deal with it. So I don't think he would say yes. Yeah, so I think he would say no. So Stu said, I don't think he would say yes. I think he would say no. Just goes back to what I think Spencer was worried about was just the possible side effects of operating on that region of the brain and how he might not turn out nearly the same afterwards. It was very risky. They all turned the questions over and over in their heads for 24 hours. The truth is that they were faced with the small but very scary possibility that Spencer could die without the surgery. So like most people do when faced with these options, they opted for life with the risk that that life would be depreciated. They opted for a potentially worse off life over the fear of no life at all. And that Thursday they watched as Spencer was wheeled off to brain surgery. They paced the halls of the hospital. They bought rounds of coffee in the cafeteria. Just literally watched this analog clock on the wall kind of tick through the minutes. And I would go to the cafeteria and play the piano they had for guests. And that calmed me down a little bit. Classical pieces. I was playing Chopin at the time. You know, finally, Dr. Kim uh, came through the double doors into the cafeteria, and he still had his scrubs on and his mask was pulled down, hanging around his neck, and he looked. There was, just a, there was just this little corner of his mouth that was turned slightly upward, and that told me it, it went well. And he said, you did the right thing. So, yeah, that felt good. Spencer was alive. He was vegetative, but that was expected. He woke up very slowly. At first, he couldn't walk or talk or take care of himself. But over months and months in a rehab with his family by his side, he relearned it all. And everyone was watching every step of the way to see if the surgery, which had to pass right through every important region of the brain, had somehow fundamentally changed Spencer's Spencerness, to see if his fear had come true. I feel like before my brain surgery and after, I'm like a completely separate person. You know, they, they took out a piece of my skull for I don't even know how many weeks, like three weeks, something like that. And yeah, there's like a picture of me in the hospital. I have a piece of tape in my, brain, in my head that just says no skull. And like, I can't, I honestly can't remember like anything before my whole surgery. So this was his worst fear, supposedly becoming a new person. But ironically, it doesn't matter, because he doesn't remember that old person who feared that. Um, I can't. It's like I woke up in a new life. So, different person, you know, it's like two separate lives. Is that okay with you? Is that okay with me? Yeah. I mean, 
it doesn't matter if it is or it isn't like it is what it is i there has been times when i haven't been okay with it but then i get worked up and it's like why am i getting worked up over this there's nothing i can do to change it so i've learned for it to be okay and i'm totally okay with it now but maybe like a year ago i wouldn't have been okay with it it doesn't give you anxiety right now thinking about ways you could have changed no no not at all this is fantastic i love this this is really great news (laughs) thank you thank you yeah if you ask his family his mom his dad his brother they say his vernacular has changed and his memory is messy but that thing that made spencer spencer that's still there spencer let me ask you a question i asked your brother and your parents what do you think our nature what makes us us is that determined by our brain uh and what happens in our brain or is that determined by something else Something spiritual that doesn't live anywhere physical. I don't think it has to do with your brain. Maybe a little bit. I think it has to do with your heart and like your metaphysical heart, not like your heart heart, you know, like the red heart, that Valentine's Day heart, pretty much. I think it has to do with that kind of heart. Thank you, Stuart, Spencer, Steve, and Dr. Kim for being a part of that story. We're going to have a link to Amy Rue's podcast. It's called Fury. We'll have that link on our website, snapjudgment.org. Also, Amy wrote an article for Dame Magazine about what may have caused each of her children to have brain malformations. You're going to want to check it out. We'll have a link on our website, snapjudgment.org. The original score was performed and composed by Renzo Gorio. The story was produced by Amy Roost and Anna Sussman. Now then, if you haven't heard it, you better hear it. Snap Judgment presents Spooked. Real people tell their own stories with the supernatural, bumping up against the powers of the night. All new episodes each week until Halloween on your podcast feed, Be Afraid. Detroit, Chicago, Portland, Seattle, Louisville, and Los Angeles. Get ready because Snap Judgment Live is coming to your town. More towns being added. Experience an incredible night with the storyteller of the year, Don Reed, the funniest woman on the planet, Jen Cobra, and more. You will laugh, cry, laugh some more. The world's top storytellers backed by the Funk of Bell's Atlas. Get tickets at snapjudgment.org. Even though this is not the news. No way is this the news. In fact, a man in a dream could offer you a red pill or a blue pill. And you could refuse because you know you don't take strange pills from strange men in dreams, and you would still, still not be as far away from the news as this is. But this is 